I'm going to talk about God's forgiveness of us, and then I'm going to talk about us forgiving other people. Um, so in the kind of really famous bit in the Bible where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, he has that line where it says, um, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So that's what I want to talk about. The first bit is forgive us our sins. This is in Matthew 6, verse 12, okay? Um, but before I do that, before I start saying anything, I want you to say something, okay? So I want you guys, I want you to think about what are all the good things that God has done for you, okay? All the good, and you can't have forgiveness because I've already said that one. So we've already talked about some stuff today. So what are the good things that you have from being a Christian, from knowing God, from being born into his kingdom? So just shout them out right now, and I'm going to repeat them for the recording. What are the good things that you have from knowing God? Go for it. Peace. Peace. Joy. Joy. Love. Love. Freedom. Freedom. Hope. Hope. Eternal life. Church family. Good. Oh, pardon. Freedom. Freedom. Pardon? Oh, protection. I thought you said attention. But yeah, we do that as well. Protection. See, I was planning, I'm a teacher, so I was going to pick on some people if no one said something, but I didn't have to. So good. Um, so all those fantastic things and loads more. We could, sp- we could, I could just sit down and you could just spend the rest of the time saying good stuff. So all of these good things that we have, as Christians, all these good things that we have because we know God, I want to put it to you that they, they came from forgiveness. If we hadn't been forgiven, we wouldn't have had any of those good things. Forgiveness is the start of our relationship with God. Apart from the fact that he created us, okay, apart from the fact that he made us, forgiveness is the start. If we hadn't been forgiven by him, we wouldn't have access to any of those good things. And I don't know you, but in our church, we send, what I've noticed the last couple of years, we spent a lot of time talking about, like, saying about all the good stuff that happens now that we're Christians. How, like, there's a, that it's not just that we're saved and when we, you know, our sins are forgiven and when we die, we're going to be in heaven. It's not just that, but there's so much more for now. There's like God's kingdom is on earth right now. And we spent loads of time talking about all the, all the consequences of the fact that God's kingdom is here now and that we've, we've got a life to live for God right now. It's not just that your sins have been forgiven and you're going to go to heaven when you die. But I kind of want to come back to that. So I want to come back to this. Your sins, our sins, have been forgiven. Because being forgiven by God for our sins was the greatest thing that ever happened to us. Because it's the beginning of all the God thing, all the good things that God has done in our life. In fact, forgiveness, forgiveness from God is or was, if we've been forgiven, forgiveness was our greatest need. It was our absolute greatest need beyond anything else. Our greatest need was to be forgiven by God. I need to do a little disclaimer here, okay? I'm going to spend some time talking a bit about uh, the judgment of God. So last time I did that, I did that in my last preach, and apparently a few people were a little bit unnerved that what's John doing... Uh, Talk, telling everyone about how God's going to judge the world. Um, so it is going to get good in the end. Okay, I didn't say that last time, and people are a bit nervous, and then they're like, "Oh, finally, he's talking about God's love." Okay, so I'm going to get to that in case you're a bit concerned. Okay, so I just thought I'd warn you there, give you a bit of a spoiler where this is going. Um, so 
Forgiveness from God, come back to this, forgiveness from God is our greatest need, was our greatest need. Why did we need to be forgiven by God? Why is that our greatest need? Well, because, because we've forgiven, the Bible clearly says that we were actually God's enemies. Every single one of us, we were God's enemies. It says that in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, if you want to check that out for yourself, that when we were in our sin, before he saved us, before we accepted his salvation to our lives, we were actually God's enemies. And this is bad news for us, because God is, he really will, he's going to come and judge the world. And that's, that's the gospel that we believe in. And we talk about how God loves us, and we understand that the fact that he's going to judge the world, it comes out of his love for us. It says in Acts, again, if you want to check it, it says in Acts 17.31. There's loads of places that I could have picked where it says God is going to come and judge the world. When I say judge, I mean decide between what is good and bad and then uh, give to everything what it's due. So Acts 17.31 is a place you can go to check that out if you'd like to. Um, And he must judge the world. I put it to you that he must judge the world. Look at the state that the world is in. Look at the state. I mean, it doesn't take long to look on the news and to know that something has to be done about the state that the world is in. God could not be a God of love and leave the world as it is. It is full of injustice. It is full of suffering. And there is a day that God has appointed, it says in the Bible, God has appointed a day when he will say enough is enough and he will bring a close to everything. He will put everything right and give to everyone what they're due. And I know that sounds... Well, in a sense, it sounds like good news because God's not going to let it go on forever. But unfortunately for us, it's not good news, okay? It's not good news because every single one of us, this is the clear teaching of the Bible, every single one of us will stand convicted before God. And in our consciences, we all know, everyone know, we know that we've done something wrong. We know that we do wrong. And God's standard is absolute perfection. That's where his standard is, because he is a perfect judge. This is what it says in Romans chapter 3. It says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become altogether worthless. Okay, And the rest of the world is like this too. You know, the world doesn't need to be educated. We don't need to be educated on how to be selfish or how to be greedy. The world doesn't need an education on how to prolong conflict. Like in Palestine and Israel, they haven't just announced like a 24-hour war in the middle of their decades-long peace. Um, We don't need to be taught as humans. We don't need to be taught how to be nasty. And we recognise that that's inside every one of us. If we'd been living over there... Who knows what we'd be thinking and doing right now. So why do we get judged? I mean, we do good things, but we do good because of the image of God. We're made in the image of God, and that image lingers inside us. So we're compassionate and kind because God made us like that. So you might say, but, you know, yeah, I do some bad things, but I'm not as bad as that person over there. So where do we draw the line? Well, we would probably draw the line just so that we were on the right side of it. You mean, I, I, I do a little bit of bad stuff, but like, look at him, he's awful. So, but then that, that person might say, well, yeah, like, I'm a bit bad, but like, look at that person, he's even worse than me. So where do we draw the line? We'd probably draw it just so that we were on the correct side of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But God is completely impartial, completely objective, and completely perfect. So his line, the line where he joins is, is perfection. And we all fail the test. So when God is going to, and I'm just going through this really quickly, when God comes to judge the world, we will all stand convicted before him. And the Bible, the Bible calls 
this punishment, it calls it hell. That's what the Bible calls it. And it was never meant for us, it was meant for the devil and his angels. And I really wish, like, I wasn't talking about that. I really wish I wasn't standing here. It's not fun. Yeah, I'm supposed to be talking about forgiveness. That's my title. I'm supposed to be talking about forgiveness. That's meant to be, like, a really nice topic. I thought, yeah, I'm going to talk about forgiveness. That would be encouraging. Why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about judgment? Why am I talking about this? Well, as Christians, we can't talk about being forgiven unless we know what it is that we've been forgiven of. When we understand what it is that we've been forgiven of, then we can be really, then we can rejoice in it. Yeah, there's no point saying, I've been forgiven. What have you been forgiven of? And once we understand the depth that we have been forgiven, <laughs> it makes us really happy. It makes us worship. Um, and we get, and as Christian, we used to talk about being saved. We can't talk about what we've been saved, and we can't talk about being saved unless we talk about what we've been saved from. And what we've been saved from is God's judgment. We've been saved from it. And once we understand its reality and its depth, it causes us to be really excited. And I know it's a little bit depressing what I'm saying, but the Bible, the Bible is full of hope. And um, Steve just said this verse earlier. He said, for the most part, of one of the most uh, uh, well-known passages in the Bible, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So that that judgment is not going to affect us. God so loved us, he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So despite being convicted by God, he chose to forgive us. God chose to forgive us. But you know, there was still a debt to be paid. And so God chose, we just talked about it a minute ago, God chose to take the punishment on himself. God chose to come as a man, Jesus, and live a perfect life. And he chose to die by crucifixion. He chose to take the punishment that we deserved. Somehow, he took our sinfulness on him, and we su- he suffered in our place so that we can be forgiven. This is our God. He chose to take our punishment so we are free to be forgiven. That's what God did. That is our God. That's what we believe as Christians. That's why we come to church. That's why we're singing. Because God chose to take our punishment. Am I the only one who's happy about that? Because <laughs> looking at your face is not all of you. Or maybe you're just thinking about something else. Or maybe you're just really deep in thought about it. But that is really, that's a really cool thing, yeah? That's really, really good. We don't have to face that punishment. Jesus did, so now we're free to be forgiven. We're totally free to be forgiven. And it gets better than that. Now we're free to be forgiven. This is the good bit now, okay? Now we're free to be forgiven. We're completely free to come before God and enjoy all his benefits. That's why I wanted you to say those things earlier. All that stuff, we're free to come to God and enjoy all his goodness because we've been forgiven. Yeah, um, I was, so I was just, I was just telling you, I just moved house. And on, actually, it was when I came back from holiday. So I just came back from holiday. We were camping. We went camping for the first time a few weeks ago. And as in my, I was standing on the side of the road by my car, just looking at all my stuff from the car. And this policeman walked past. I think it was a community support police officer because he had like the light blue one. Do you know what I mean? Anyway. So I'm standing there, looking at my full car, and we kind of catch each other's eye. 
And so we start chatting, and he's like, oh, are you just going on holiday? I'm like, no, I'm just come back. And we had a little chat about it, and um, he wished me well, and I thanked him. And But I wasn't afraid of him. I wasn't afraid of this policeman at all, because I hadn't done anything wrong. Now, it helps that... Uh, the British police is, compared to many police in the world, is very good, very uncorrupt. It helps that I'm white, male, uh, middle class, that helps as well. But aside from that, I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't committed any crimes. I wasn't afraid that the policeman was coming to arrest me because I know I'd done nothing wrong. So I was completely free just to have a chat with him, knowing that he had nothing on me. That sounds bad, doesn't it? <laughs> I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't committed any crimes as far as I'm aware. Might have speeded a couple of times. Um, but he didn't know that. But he couldn't, he couldn't arrest me because I hadn't done anything wrong. Yeah, and it's the same thing. When I go before God, in his eyes, I have done nothing wrong. All my sins have been forgiven. So I'm, I'm completely free to come to God and enjoy all his goodness because legally, standing before him, I'm totally innocent. So why would I be afraid of him? This is what it says. Again, Romans chapter 8, it's 31. Uh, yeah, from 31. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? And these things are the stuff that I've just been talking about. He's just been explaining the gospel. He's, just, he's been explaining, in Romans 8, he's been explaining our need for salvation and how God has saved us. And he goes, what then shall we say in response to these things? For, for, sorry, if God is for us, who then can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he then who condemns? No one. Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We are completely free, now we have been forgiven, to go to God and enjoy all his goodness. Now all through the Bible there's this kind of recurring theme that comes back saying that like you can't see the face of God so um, there's a time when God revealed his his glory to Moses but he said um you're gonna have to he he put him in this rock he said you look away you can't see my face if you see my face you're gonna die it's the same thing with Elijah Elijah just saw the back of him it's like you can't see the face of God and die I mean you can't see the face of God and live you will die and also says in in Revelation it, it says Uh, about when God comes in judgment. It says that the people will call out to the mountains to cover them because they say, hide hide the the face of him who comes. And they want the mountains to fall on them because they're terrified of the face of God. So there's this theme all the way along. It's saying you can't see the face of God. But we can. Because it then says at the end of um, the end of Revelation... There's this language of intimacy, not for his people. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. There's this... God says to Moses and Elijah, you can't see my face and live. And yet, he says about us, I'm just going to come and wipe the tears from your eyes. There's this intimacy with God that we're going to have because we've been forgiven.
so we can talk about all the good things <laughs> that we get. He makes the dead come to life. He makes his enemies. We were his enemies. That's what the Bible says. We were his enemies. And now we're his adopted children. He takes sinners and he makes them perfect. He makes us the church. It says he's making us into a perfect bride, worthy of his name. He provides for us. We have these amazing promises. All the goodness of God, all the hope is ours because he's forgiven, because unforgiveness allows us to enjoy this. Um, so Rob, a couple of, about a few weeks ago, he talked about this story of the woman who washed Jesus' feet uh, with the perfume. And um, it's in Luke 7. And um, just a brief description in case you missed it. So Jesus was at this house of this Pharisee and this woman came and she broke this perfume on her on his feet and washed it with her hair and her tears. And she was really scorned by the Pharisees. The people there said... Who is this woman coming to do this? And um, Jesus' response, he says, I'm paraphrasing here. He says, so you can, you can look it up in, if you want to check it in Luke 7. Or you can look in the other Gospels. There's slightly different phrases there, so I'm going to paraphrase it. He says this in response. He says, those who have been forgiven much will love much. See, she loved him much because she knew she had been forgiven much. She wasn't afraid of what they thought because she loved him, because she knew that she'd been forgiven. And I think somehow that they might have, the Pharisees might have thought, oh, implying that she needed to have a lot forgiven. Or I used to think, when I used to read this, I used to think that it was kind of restrictive, that unless I did something really awful and then got forgiven, there was like a level of love I would never know. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, if only I did something really bad and then God forgave me, then I would really love him. There was a logic, but then it's not saying that. It's saying that, it's saying that we've all been forgiven a lot. We've all been forgiven a lot. See, it's not restrictive. We've all done many sins. We all needed Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. All that happened was she had realised how much forgiveness she had received. And so her love was great. And if we allow ourselves to understand how great a forgiveness we have received, our love for him will be great. And that's why I wanted to spend the time talking about the judgment of God. That's why we shouldn't run from that, because we need to understand it, because it allows us to appreciate what he has done for us. And it allows us to understand the predicament those who are in who have not given themselves to God. So let's allow our hearts to be filled (laughs) with awe and wonder at just how much we have been forgiven. And our love will increase also. You know, Jesus is passionate about forgiveness. Um, I just want to read uh, a bit from the Bible. I want to read from Revelation chapter 5. I want to read a little bit about Jesus. I'm going to find down here. So my Bible's packed. Doesn't sound very good, is it? But I've got it on my phone, so I've been reading it on my phone instead. So I haven't been, you know... Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Where's the Bible? Oh, I think I packed it. Um, okay, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 5. So, just to warn you, the language here is a bit, uh, it's full of metaphors. It's a little bit weird. Um, so, Revelation chapter 5. So, uh, this is in, um, John is having a revelation of heaven. Okay, and he's describing what he sees. And then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. 
I'll explain in a minute. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could, could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the line of Judah, see the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb, looking if it had been slain, standing in the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And they each had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. And they circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. <laughs> so, what's going on here? So, it says that there was a. He said he saw a scroll on a, the hand, in the right hand of the one who sits on the throne. So, what is this scroll? Well, we find out as we read later on. The scroll is the judgments of God <laughs> being played out across the earth. So in Revelation, we see God coming to end the world. We see God coming to bring a close to all things and to create a new heaven and a new earth. We see that played out through the book of Revelation. And they send there, they're looking for someone to open the scroll and to, bring, to start to bring about the purposes of God, to start to bring about this judgment, to put everything right, which God is talking about. But no one was found worthy. Only Jesus was found worthy. And why was only Jesus worthy? So why couldn't, why couldn't God got angels to do it? See, because he likes to delegate everything. So why couldn't he have got angels to do it? You see, well, all they could have done was just implement God's judgments. That's all they could have done. They would have just carried out his laws. But God was looking for a judge like himself. He was looking for a judge who was full of compassion and mercy. So this one appears... This one appears who, it says, looks like a lamb that had been slain. So what does that mean? So this is, a, is referring to the Old Testament series of system of sacrifices. So in the Old Testament, what people had to do to get their sins forgiven, and he told them they had to do that in order to live with him, they had to make sacrifices. They had to give regular sacrifices to God. And through this, God was teaching us, he was teaching us and teaching them that Sacrifice was needed for the forgiveness of sins. So we understand from reading this that, that he was himself was the sacrifice. 
So it says he's, he's coming to judge, but he's also coming having paid the price too. So in the Gospels, Jesus says, I need to go to the Father and present my blood to him. So he's saying, I'm presenting a sacrifice, the sacrifice of myself. So this judge is worthy because this judge, this judge is coming having already paid the price. Imagine that you're in court and the judge walks in and he goes, by the way, whatever the punishment is, I'm going to deal with it. Okay, I'm going to take it. Whatever the, wh- however big the fine is, I'm going to pay it. However much time I tell you you have to go to jail for, I'll go instead. Yeah? If the, if the judge walked into the court and said, hey guys, I'm going to take the punishment, that's exactly what's happening here. They're finding a judge who's walking in saying, I've paid the price. I've paid the price. I've sacrificed myself. And that's why all heaven is crying, wow, worthy. Who is this judge? Who is this judge who would take upon themselves? He's saying, no matter how much punishment is required for sin, I, God, my, God, my, God himself, I will take it. As I enact judgment on the world, no matter what the punishment is, I will take it. No matter what debt is required to pay off sin, I will pay it. And that's why all of heaven and then all of creation is going, whoa, who is this God? Who is this judge? (laughs) That's why they worship him. See, he came to judge but also to forgive because he too, he himself has paid the price. You know, and in the heaven there'll be no pain or sickness or death or sin except on the throne where there'll be one who looked as if he'd been slain. Wow. See, and for this forgiveness to have an effect on us, we need to accept it into our lives. We need to accept it while we're still on earth. We need to accept it while we're still alive. It will be too late to accept it when we stand before God on that day. But you don't need to go to anyone else. You can just talk directly to God and get that sorted now. You don't need to go through anyone. You can just simply say to God, God, I'm sorry for sinning against you. Thank you for dying on the cross and coming back to life for my sin. I choose now to make you in charge of my life. That's all you have to do. You don't need to go through anyone. But if you have done that or you'd like to do that, I'd love to talk to you about it. So that's the first bit. That's me saying, forgive us our sins. So now I just want to spend a bit of time talking about the next bit. It says, as we forgive those who sin against us. See, Jesus is full of mercy and compassion. He loves to forgive. And as we are made more like him, it says in Ephesians that he won't, finish, he won't stop making us more like himself until he's finished doing it. See, we too, as we are made more like Jesus, we too will learn to love to forgive. And think what God achieved through forgiveness. Think of what he achieved. He won for himself a people. He won for himself us. That it says in uh, Romans chapter 8 that the whole of creation was groaning under the weight of sin. But it was through forgiveness that he made it all right. If forgiveness is that powerful, if forgiveness is the tool that God used, the weapon that God used to defeat sin, the weapon that he used, imagine what it can do in our lives. <laughs> imagine what will happen if we start forgiving too. If forgiveness is so powerful that it can change the world when God forgives us, imagine what we can do with it. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 4, it says the weapons that we use, they're not like the weapons of the world, but they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And forgiveness is one of those weapons. What, was, what, would, be, what would we be like 
if we loved forgiveness as much as God did? What would our church be like if we loved to forgive as much as God loves to forgive us? I just want to say a few things about forgiveness. First of all, the first thing to say about forgiveness is that it's not easy. It's really hard. Forgiveness is costly. It costs Jesus. It cost him his life. God chose to die on the cross in order to forgive us. Forgiveness was free for us, but it wasn't cheap. It came at a great price. Second thing, forgiveness, and as Christians we talk a lot about forgiveness, but forgiveness is not remaining under abuse. So it's not remaining under physical or mental threat or abuse. So if you're in that situation, or if you know someone who's in that situation, forgiveness does not mean remaining in that situation. So if you are, or if you know someone who is, again, as a church, we have people who have experience dealing with these kind of situations. So I would encourage you to seek help. And that, as I'm talking about forgiveness, it doesn't mean remaining under someone abusing you. But I want to talk about the price of forgiveness. You see, the cross, that was the price that our forgiveness cost. You know, when we, um, when we buy something and then we bring it home, we like to take the price tag off, yeah? So we don't, I don't know why, it's not comfy, I guess, but it's not good to remember. But almost like we want to keep our price tag. Yeah, we want to remember how much it costs to buy our forgiveness. And um, forgiveness is difficult. Sometimes when you forgive someone, you feel like you're giving up a part of yourself. <laughs> it's really hard. I had to, I remember someone had to forgive, and it took me years. Honestly, it took me years. You have to go over it again and again and again and again. And some, you might say, like, oh, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be forgiven. But no one deserves to be forgiven. That's the whole point about forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, Jesus didn't die on the cross and take punishment for our sins because we deserved it. We deserved judgment, but we got grace. And we got mercy and we got forgiveness. Um, I just want to read another bit from the Bible. This is a story about how much we have been forgiven and how important forgiveness is to God. It's in Matthew chapter 18, uh, starting at verse 21. So this is the story that Jesus told about why we should forgive. He says, Peter then came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Seven's like a biblical number of completeness there. So he's basically saying like a lot of times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So loads of times. Um, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay him, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this the servant fell on his knees and before him. He said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. And the servant's master took pity on him. He cancelled the debt and let him go. But then, but then that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who, ho- who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. 
And when the other servants saw, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have shown mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to the jailers to be tortured. Until he should pay back what he, until he should pay back all he owed, and this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So just as we have forgiven forgiven a great debt, so we too should be forgiven others. And he says at the end there that the guy was handed over to the jailer because often unforgiveness has a real negative effect on our own lives. As we look to move on from past hurt and receive emotional healing and a mental healing, often forgiveness has an important part to role, uh, important role to play in that healing. Forgiveness is really precious to Jesus. He told another story. He says, um, <coughs> he says this. He says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and then you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there. In front of the altar, just leave it from the altar, go first and be reconciled to them, and then come back and offer your gift. That's in Matthew five twenty-three. Is this making sense? Is this all right? Okay, good. And um yeah, it's good. Making sense, brilliant, I'll keep going then. Um so, so he says like if you're offering your, your sacrifice and you remember that you've got something against your brother or sister, leave it there, go and re- reconcile to them and then come back. So what's he saying here? Well, first of all, this is not a small thing. So when, when he's talking about giving their sacrifice at the altar, quite likely they would have had to have travelled, they might have had to have travelled several days to get to that place. Um, it could have been on one of the, the, there were four important feast days where one person from each family had to go before God and present their uh, present their offering on the altar, so the whole nation would be expected to do this. This was a, this was a requirement for them to do under the under the laws under the system of sacrifices. They had to go, and um, he says, "But leave it there. Go all the, travel all the way back to where you lived. It could have taken several days. Sort it out. Then travel all the way back." And then do this. And that will be more pleasing to me than doing the thing I told you to do in the first place. So like, I was trying to think, what's an equivalent for us? So in our church, we just had this festival recently called Catalyst. It was like a kind of um, family festival for us. So we went there. I was trying to think, what's the analogy? So I'm there. I've gone to Catalyst. I've got all my kids in the car. The car is filled with stuff. We've actually had to take two cars because we couldn't... We had to... Anyway, we didn't want to fit them in. We unpacked our tents, okay? very patiently and calmly we unpacked our tent and set it up or maybe you stayed in a bed and breakfast or maybe you organized staying with someone else anyway you got it all sorted yeah you got your accommodation sorted you got your tent set up you're there your kids are happy you've got you got your food ready so you wander down to the meeting everyone's there everyone's piling in the meeting it's like oh it's a big meeting and i'm gonna go and worship god and then you're about to walk in and then you suddenly remember uh-oh I never made up. Oh, I never made up with that person. So what is more pleasing to God? How should you now show worship to God? This is what Jesus is saying. I would rather you turn around, go back, pack down your tent, drive all the way home, make, be reconciled to that person, than go in that room and sing some songs. 
See, it says in Romans 12, it says, as far as it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And forgiveness has an important role to play in living at peace with people. It may involve forgiveness. See, it's, it's really important to Jesus. It's costly, but it has great power. There's so much power in humility. And I want to I just tell a little story about how I forgave and forgiveness. I remember when I first kind of joined the church quite a few years ago, um, I started going to a life group, what we called them small groups back in the day, to Mount McClare. And um, it's with Matt and Sue Seaton, used to lead it. And um, so I just, I was, at the time, I was, in, I was engaged to Claire. So she was at this church here. I was living in Reading. So I was coming up a few times, started coming to this life group. And I managed to offend quite a lot of the people in the life group. Unintentionally. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> there was some other, so I was, how old were we? Like in our kind of early 20s, they were kind of in there. Late teens, early twenties as well. And I managed to offend other people. So I, all it was is someone was giving a talk. I think someone like prepared something and there was just a different style of group. So in the style I came from, you were more kind of, it was more like discussion based. Someone says something, you ask them questions. I think here, this, you know, kind of, someone said something and you listened and went, that was great. Or maybe it was the first time they'd done it. Anyway, I'd ask these questions or whatever and I'd managed to offend some people. Or maybe I was being a bit brusque in the way I said it. So I noticed when I kind of came again, and these were kind of Claire's friends and I was trying to join the church and be friendly with them, that people were being a bit like other people in the life group, the other kind of guys in the life group were like being a bit sarcastic when I was saying stuff and like um, kind of ignoring me. Oh, yeah, don't, don't feel too sorry for me. <laughs> And so I said, I said to them, I said, like, that's not fair. Like, what is going on? And they're like, John, I think you've upset them. I think, I think you think you've offended them. And I was like, what? I didn't do anything wrong. And so they, she said, you should, you should apologize to them. You should say sorry. I'm like, but why should I say sorry? I haven't done anything wrong. And um, they said two th- phrases which have really, really stuck with me. One, there's so much power in humility, is what they said. And... Um, and you don't know what's going on in their lives. You don't know. So I had to, I had to forgive them beforehand and then say, I, so the next time I said, look, I think I may have offended some of you. I'm really sorry about that. I didn't mean to. Um, I'm really sorry, kind of thing. And everything from then on was absolutely fine. And some of those people are still my friends to the day, to today. And they probably haven't even remembered, they doubt they'd even remember it. But it, it was important for me because I had to forgive and then be humble. And, um, you know, it's easy. It's easy to write people off. Um, and I heard people, you know, you hear people say, oh, that person is such a whatever. You know, it's really easy to write people off. That person is such a bad person. You know how people get labelled or rejected? This is a bad person. I was overhearing a conversation at, at work about, uh, they were talking about another person saying, oh, this listing all the bad points about this person <laughs> and it, it's so easy to to label people as a bad person but God calls us to be forgiving you know forgiveness puts us on a level playing field you know we all needed the son of God to die for our sins we all needed to be forgiven so before we should judge someone else we should remember that you know also think the son of God died for this person's sins so if Jesus is able to forgive them and surely he would be more offended if God was able to forgive them then maybe I can forgive them too and um with God's help I can okay I want to tell another story um again it's like a, a bit of a silly story so I'm a teacher and a few, I sat at an 
uh, so a couple of years ago, um, I got my class in my classroom. It's this year 11 class, not an easy class. And this other teacher comes along. So I've just started the class. And then another class starts all coming up in the corner. I'm like, what is going on here? So I look at, and this other teacher comes in and says, you've got the wrong room, you're in the wrong room. And I'm like, no, this is the room that I've been in every period for this period for the whole year. And she's like, oh, but there's been a room change. And I didn't know about it. Anyway, so I was like, so she was quite stressed and quite brusque and quite abrupt with me, saying, you need to get your class out. And I'm like, well, they're already settled in. Can't you take your class out? Because your classes are all still in the corridor. Can't you take them and like, just take them to the room? Because my class already settled. But she was having none of it. It was a bit awkward. It was a bit like my class there watching, this other class watching, two classes watching, and she's having a go at me in front of all these classes, and I'm like, ah. Um, so in the end, we had to go to the other class. And when we got there, the kids were like, oh, my goodness, sir, like, did you see the way she spoke to you? She shouldn't have done that. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to remain professional. Um, but I could have really held on to that, and I could have been really offended. But I thought... I, I was, and, in fact, and then to make it even worse, she went and complained about me to my to her head of department, and then her head of department came and spoke to my head of department, and then my head of department came and spoke to me and said, "You really upset this other person." I was like, "What? I did absolutely nothing." Okay, I got in the wrong room, but like you know, she didn't. Anyway, so I, I was determined. Right, I am not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to hold a grudge. So next time I saw that person, I went out of my way because I thought if I don't say anything, it'll look like I'm ignoring them because I've been upset with them. So I went out of my way to say hi next time I saw them, next time I just walked past them. And from that, I got to know them. And now, and every time we see each other, we kind of stop and have a chat. And we kind of know each other and we're friendly. If that had never happened, I probably still wouldn't know who she was. But I was determined that I wasn't going to hold on to a grudge. And from that, I've got a nice relationship with her. So this is my this is my challenge to you, okay? If someone bumps into you, what spills out? <laughs> so if you're carrying a glass and someone bumps into you, what spills out is whatever's in the glass, yeah? So if someone bumps into you, what spills out? Are we full up? Are we filled up with the pleasure and love of God? Or you know, are we ready to forgive other people? Um Steve did this to me a couple of, a few weeks ago. So it was a bit of a rush getting ready, and I was like on the laptop, and he said, are you all right? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then you like got your hand, and you went like that on my shoulder. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I was just testing to see if you really were all right. <laughs> Sorry, embarrassing. And uh, he said, because if you were stressed, you would have got really annoyed at me. So, <laughs> fortunately, I was fine. I forgave you. It's all right. And hopefully you'll forgive me for embarrassing you for front of everyone. Um, but like, what's in us, yeah? What, but when we get bummed into, what comes out? Are we ready to forgive? So uh, in the story of the prodigal son, which we've had told, I'm coming to the end here, by the way. Um, we've had this a few times, people have told this. And um, the townspeople, I'm not going into detail because we've heard it a few times recently and most of you probably know it. Um, but the townspeople, when, so the son, when he came back, and the father ran out to greet him and accept him back in. The townspeople were really offended. They were really offended. At like, why are you forgiving him? See, the son deserved judgment, but the father came out and accepted him. And so the father took the shame that should have been the son's. He put it on himself. Which is a bit, sorry, it's a picture of the cross. So that the townspeople were offended because the son deserved judgment, but he got mercy. And sometimes we can be offended by that too. 
sometimes we can be offended almost by God's forgiveness. You know, it says that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, for absolutely everybody in the whole world. Jesus died for their sins. Like everybody, like everybody, like everybody who has ever lived or who has ever lived. Have you ever thought about that and thought, really, God? Like everybody? Like everybody? Like really? Absolutely everybody? I'm just thinking of a few people now that I'm really surprised. <laughs> Some famous names. That God really God died on the cross for their sins too. And almost so we can be offended by that and confused, but like really God, you would even die for their sin. And he <laughs> so God will forgive everyone, he doesn't care if it offends us. And um and we need to be ready as a church for God to bring people into our church and he will forgive anybody so we need to be ready for that and um i just want to share one more quick story um so we the catalyst festival i mentioned earlier i was doing this thing where we there was a few of us we were called prophetic appointments where someone would make an appointment and they'd come and then you'd like prophesy over them and talk to them about what you thought god was saying to them and um this one couple came up, and they didn't look like your typical New Frontiers people, if you know what I'm saying. And, um, and I got this word from God, and I was like, I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. And I'm like, I was, my prejudice level was like, I was like, totally, and I knew, and I even said, God, I know it's because I'm really prejudiced. Like, I don't think this word fits that person. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God must know. So I just made up some stuff and I said some weak things. And I was like, this is no good. I can't do this. I can't not say it. Because I didn't want to look stupid. I didn't want to, like, say it. And then people are like, what are you saying that? Or, so I said it anyway. I said, in the end, I, I said, oh, God, what am I like? But my prejudice level was, like, totally up in the air. And um, so I had to say, okay, I just said it anyway. And then when I said it, the guy was like, oh, that really makes sense. And, it did. It, it really fitted, and he really like responded to it, and really took hold of it, and said, "Yeah, that really, yeah, it was good." And um, so that just goes to show that God will forgive anyone. He'll even forgive me for being full of prejudice. So I'm just going to come to an end there. So while I've been talking, you may have been thinking about something that you need to forgive. So I'm just going to give a couple of minutes. I'm going to get a little bit of quiet time now. If you need to put something right in your heart, I don't want to rush on from here. If you need to put something right in your heart, um, do that now. I encourage you, between you and God, forgive.